Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. For my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord of my God has been my strength, that God. He says, is it too small a thing? It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. So I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the very ends of the earth. And this is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel. To him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see you and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. I've been told I can preach all the way up to the pregame, so I want you all to buckle up and get your... I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. Um, your team beat ours last week. Congratulations for that. I mean, many of you, I've seen a lot of, of Chiefs jerseys out there today, and my wife is a Chiefs fan. She's from Kansas, so I, I will say, and this is hard for me, go Chiefs. All right. Um, and I grew up in Tennessee, so... Uh, no, it's great to be with you. We've had a wonderful weekend uh, just getting to know many of you. I've been able to see a couple of friends from college, which has been great, and uh, so it's just been wonderful being able to catch up. And Bentonville looks very different than the last time I was here, which was like 10 years ago, passing through town. I think this place changes every time we're here. Uh, but we're honored to be able to come, to be with you, to worship with you, uh, because we have the best thing in common. Uh, no matter what teams we uh, cheer for, no matter where we come from, we have the best thing in common, which is that we have been saved through Jesus Christ, and we call him Lord, and so we want to celebrate that today. I want to invite you to join me. We're going to jump all over the place a little bit this morning, but our main text is what was just read for us a minute ago in, in Isaiah 49. My entire life changed on a train ride in Germany. But to understand why that matters, we have to go back and hear a little bit more of the story. When I went to college, I had one thing on my mind, success. I wanted to find a career where I could make as much money as possible so I could be comfortable, content, and happy. Now, I had felt called to ministry in high school. I'd been a leader in my youth group. I had gone on lots of mission trips. I was a chaplain in Boy Scouts and on my sports teams. I had felt God pulling me and compelling me towards ministry. But ministry didn't equal money. And so I told God lovingly, I just don't want to do that. Now, I will always go to church. I will always help out. But please, just the one thing I will not do is I will not preach and I will not teach. 
Right, God has a funny sense of humor. He made me a middle school, seventh grade teacher for three years. Right, so be careful what you tell God you will not do. So I went to college and I declared a major that would lead to good money and a fine career. And I was good at it. It came easily. And I hated every minute of it. So I changed my major to something else that paid pretty well and I started down that path with the idea of security and success as my main goals. But a couple of years into college, it all started seeming so hollow. But it was what I was been working towards, it was the trajectory I was on and that was the path I was going to finish out. And then one night, I was in study abroad, I was living in Greece with a group of my friends, and I was talking with one of my best friends about what I wanted to be when I grew up and why. And then he got silent. And it wasn't just a short silence, it was one of those silences that stretches for a long time. It's one of those kind of pregnant pauses. And then he looked me in the eye and he said, Daniel, have you ever considered that maybe your dreams are a little too small? That God might have something else much bigger in mind for you? That's a lot of wisdom from a 20-year-old. That was wisdom that the nation of Israel really could have used and needed throughout the Old Testament. You see, Israel had been following the wrong path for so long that they wound up getting themselves into exile. But to understand how they got there, we have to go back and hear more of their story. All the way back in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to a 75-year-old man by the name of Abram, and he gave him a promise. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And here is what's just so amazing. At the age of 75, when most of us just want to sit down and retire, Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And suddenly their story was off. Along the way, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, and he gave him more parts of this promise. He told him, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars and the sky and the sand on the seashore. And I'm leading you to a land that will be yours. But it's going to take a while. About 400 years to be exact. And Abram... And his wife, Sarah, had a son named Isaac. And Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had a whole bunch of sons that eventually grew into the 12 tribes of Israel. And because of a famine, they, they pack up and they move to Egypt, where they're eventually enslaved as outsiders. And when they cried out to God, God raised up a deliverer, a young man by the name of Moses. And through God's miraculous intervention, he takes his people out of captivity and enslavement. He leads them through the sea and then through the desert and then to the very bottom of a mountain where he would encounter them. And there God makes his second promise now to his people, to Israel. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be for me my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And what an incredible declaration we have here. I mean, these are Bruno Mars worthy lyrics, right? You are my treasure. 
You are my people, my possession, my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And God didn't choose them because they were powerful, large, important, prestigious, holy, successful. They weren't any of those things. God chose them because He chose them. Because He wanted to display His goodness, His glory, His power, His might, His majesty, His love through them. Because God had a mission that He wanted to accomplish. All the way back in the calling of Abraham, God had told them what that mission would be. That the whole world, all peoples, will be blessed through you. And we hear it here again at the foot of this mountain. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. Priesthood isn't meant to be a profession where an individual simply felt good or enjoyed a privileged position. Instead, they were called to bring people to God. That is what priesthood is all about. To help others come to know Him and to worship Him better. And as a nation, Israel was called to priesthood, not to sit content in their covenant or silently secure in their salvation. They were meant to witness about God to the entire world, to all peoples everywhere. But Israel, they lost sight of that vision. And the Old Testament tells story after story about how Israel broke that promise with God. They fall into idolatry. They worship false gods. They don't fulfill the stipulations of the covenant on how they were to treat one another or take care of the poor. How to extend righteousness and justice to all peoples and all the strata of society. And they never give up going to the temple. It's just that their hearts weren't in it. Israel, in so many ways, was focused on success. That's why they worshiped these foreign gods, in case those deities might be able to give them some sort of edge, some sort of blessing in their life. That's why they oppressed the poor, the fatherless, the widow, the stranger. It wasn't personal. It was how they could get ahead. They were so focused on themselves that they lost sight of their identity. So God would send prophets to remind them of their covenant, to help them to remember their calling. But these prophets typically were just ignored, belittled, attacked, and sometimes even killed. And so because of their sin, God allowed his people to go into exile. The northern tribes of Israel in 722, and then later in 586, the southern tribes of Judah. And they realized right then just how far they had fallen. Because they were driven from their home and enslaved. They were taken away from the promised land. They were cut off from the temple. Everything they knew was now gone. This is exile. And it's where they're going to sit for a couple of generations. But in the midst of that time of darkness, God speaks through the mouth of one of his prophets. Isaiah, who was ministering before the exile had even taken place, had a message of hope for a people who were sitting in this difficult time. In the midst of their darkness, Isaiah's words offer some light. He says, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been accomplished, completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
here is some hope that the exile is coming to an end, that God is going to bring them home. He himself is coming to reveal his glory and to take his people back. And this starts a section of four songs in which Isaiah then describes the individual that God is going to use. And Isaiah calls this person the servant. And Josh preached from the first servant song last week. That servant would have the spirit of God and would bring justice, establish righteousness, and care for those who felt overlooked and overwhelmed, downtrodden and downcast. The servant was coming to bring them home but to a home far better than the one that they had left behind. And this was a promise that wasn't just for the exiled tribes of Israel. No, it extended to the islands, to the nations, to all peoples everywhere. The servant was coming to fulfill the covenant that was made through Abraham, that God wanted to bless the whole world. The servant is coming to call God's people back to their commission to bring the world back to God. And in the second song, the one that was read for us this morning, the servant again serves as the catalyst for calling the world to God. He says this, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and to gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation can reach the ends of the earth. You see, Israel is so focused on their own dilemma, on returning home, on getting things back to normal. Because when we're tired, when we're uncomfortable, when we feel out of sorts, when nothing seems to be going right, when we feel in our own personal exiles, we simply want something that's comfortable, that's familiar, that's easy, that's routine, and requires little of us. But Isaiah is challenging them and calling them to imagine a different reality a different future, a different possibility. God wants to take their present realities of brokenness, exile, and death, and then ask them to imagine with Him how those things could be reshaped and reworked and remade into something far more beautiful. This, this is God's salvation. Because He takes broken things and He makes them whole. Lost things become found. Sinful is forgiven. Relationships are restored. People are brought home. And God is calling His people to imagine with Him. I will bring you back. I want to bring you back, God says. But I imagine so much more than that. It's bigger than you. I want to bring all people back into relationship with me, God declares. I want my salvation to reach not just Israel, not just a select few, but this is for all peoples of all backgrounds, tribes, ethnicities, languages, and cultures. The word that is here we translate typically as Gentiles, but it's just as accurate to put it as peoples or nations. We could just substitute here humanity because this salvation is for everyone, everywhere. And Jesus came to earth 
He came to make, it, to make God's imagination a reality. You see, the name he was given, the name bestowed on him while he was still in the womb, speaks of God's salvation because his name means the Lord saves. And Jesus was the servant that they had been waiting for, the one that Isaiah had spoken of so long before. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as God's servant. And some of those scriptures are appearing on the screen behind me. And the New Testament, time after time and writer after writer, quotes portions of these servant songs from Isaiah to say this is the one that we've been waiting for. In Jesus, we find the hope, we find the life, we find the restoration, we find the salvation that God had promised to us. Jesus is pointing towards that promise that God wants to give his salvation to all people. This is God's plan, his promise, his mission, and it's all being fulfilled through Jesus. And Jesus' ministry was to the rich and the poor, to the Jew and the Samaritan and the Gentile, to men and women, young and old. And when Jesus went to the cross, he went for the sins of the whole world and not just a select few. And when Jesus was raised from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, he gave them a commission to remind them of that. He says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Let's say that together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These followers of Jesus now have a new calling, but really, it's actually just the old calling. It's the commission that they've had since the beginning, but they're reminded of their mission. Go to everyone, everywhere, and bring them to God. And so there might be no greater facepalm moment in all of Scripture than what happens next. You see, it's Jesus' last day on earth. It's his last moments before he's going to be taken up into heaven. And he stops to tell these followers, I want you to stay here until the Holy Spirit comes. And he's going to give you the power to do some incredible things. And then one of the disciples, and we don't get their names, so I always kind of guess which one. But one of them says what all of them are thinking. But no one wants to say out loud. So Lord, at this time, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I'm glad it's Jesus at this moment and not me because I would have a massive eye roll and a big sigh and going, how many times do I have to explain to you why you're not getting this? But Jesus is Jesus and I'm so thankful for his response because he looks at them and he just says, let's not worry about any of that. But instead, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and, say this with me, to the ends of the earth. He gently reminds them of their calling when they've lost sight of it. He gives them back their commission and he reminds them that God's imagination is so much bigger than their own. He challenges them to dream bigger. And in the last 2,000 years, God's imagination hasn't diminished. He still wants all people, everyone, everywhere to come to know Him. And God does something amazing and incredible and audacious, something He's done since the very beginning. God asks people to join Him in His mission, to extend His salvation to the ends of the earth, to all peoples, everyone and everywhere, because God wants everybody to come to know Him. 
And so that calling that was given 2,000 years ago is the same for us today. God wants us to partner with him and taking his salvation to the ends of the earth. Because it's too small of a thing for us just to keep it for ourselves. My entire life changed on a train ride to Germany. Not long after the conversation, a group of six friends and I were traveling through Europe, and I don't know who thought it's a good idea to send 19 and 20 year olds out and sent them loose for five months, but we did it and it was fun. But five of my friends, the five of them found seats together, and I'm, I was more the introvert, so I went and found my own seat, and I sat down next to a young gentleman wearing a soccer jersey. And I'm a big soccer fan, so we started talking about soccer and what teams we liked and what teams we didn't. And then that moved on to, to discussions about life and family and eventually God and faith. And this young man was, was a Palestinian who was raised Muslim but had become an atheist. And he was studying particle physics in Germany. I know nothing about particle physics. I can barely say it. All right. But over the course of the next two or so hours, we have this deep conversation about what I believe and why it matters to me. Now, I'd love to tell you that the train stopped and he looked out the window and pointed and said, hey, there's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? Okay. <laughs> it didn't happen. That would be a great ending to the story. And now the train stopped and he got off. And I have no idea if I will see him again in eternity or not. But I distinctly remember hearing, sitting in that chair, this is what you were meant to be doing. Because God wants to take his salvation to the ends of the earth. Not all of us are called to full-time ministry. Not all of us will become foreign missionaries. But all of us are meant to share the salvation that we've encountered. If you're like me, you probably just want to settle into kind of a routine Christian life. You want to go to church to see the people you know and sing the songs that you like, hear a message that's compelling and challenging, but hopefully comfortably so. Mm -hmm. Then go on home to watch some football and come back next week to do it all over again. Don't ask me to commit to too much more. And don't ask me, definitely don't ask me to share my faith. Because I'm afraid I don't know enough. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know if I'll have the answers to their questions. And I don't want to mess up talking about God in somebody's big moment. And honestly, I just don't want to appear too weird. But here's the thing. If you've encountered the love and grace of Jesus in your life. If you've received forgiveness from your sinfulness and your shame if you've been freed from the burdens and addictions that might weigh you down and entangle you, if you have traced true and abundant life, if you have encountered God's salvation through Jesus, then why wouldn't you want to share that good news with the people around you? Because the gospel is too big to keep to yourself. We've been given a mission, but I want us to see it as a blessing rather than a burden. Because you are called to just share the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life and for those that you love. We're just called to be witnesses. Witnesses to what God has done through Jesus and what Jesus has done in us. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God wants his salvation to go to the ends of the earth. But here's what's incredible. We don't have to go overseas to do that. Although if you get the opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, go, please. It, it might just 
bless and change your life. But you can start right here. God wants his salvation to go to the ends of the earth, but that also includes your block, your neighbors to the cubicle next to yours. Just share the hope you have with somebody you know and that you would love to see come to know Jesus more clearly. I want to challenge you to do one thing this week. I want you to start at the best place to start. I want you to think of one person in your life. One person in your life that you would love to see come to know Jesus a little bit more. I want to challenge you to write that name down and pray for them over the course of the next week. That's it. Not asking you to go thump them over the head with the Bible. Don't thump anybody over the head with the Bible. Okay? <laughs> Not a good idea. It hurts. Um, I'm asking you to stop and pray. Because here's what's amazing. When we pray, opportunities begin to open. And we have no idea what God might do in somebody's life. Think of one person and start to pray. Because if you've encountered God's salvation, that's too big of a thing for you to want to keep for yourself. Tonight in small groups, you're going to have a chance to kind of dig into this idea a little bit more. And if you aren't part of a small group, then I want to challenge you to think about it and pray about it and maybe just try to find a group and give it a shot. And it's a great chance to get to know a few other people and to be able to dig a little bit more deeply into the text, build some relationships. But this morning, I want us to think for just a moment. Do you know the salvation we've been preaching about? Have you encountered this hope? Because this is for everyone, everywhere. It doesn't matter... It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. God's salvation reaches to the ends of the earth, and so there is nowhere too far gone that God can't reach you there. So have you encountered it? Do you know that story? Has it made a difference in your life? Because God wants you to know the salvation that he holds. This morning, I don't know what you needed to hear. For some of us, it's keep on doing what you're doing. For some of us, it's be praying about people in our life. Maybe for some of us, it's, you know, God's been pushing us and calling us, and we've ignored it for so long, and, and we need to hear God wants to be in relationship with you. And whatever response you need to have this morning, I, I want to encourage you to have if you want to come down to the front and be prayed over, I'm sure they would, we would love to do that this morning. If you want to <clears throat> accept Jesus' salvation to give him your life and faith and in baptism, that would be the greatest way to celebrate. If you are not a person who wants to come forward, I get that. Feel free to grab somebody before you leave and just talk about whatever's on your heart. But this morning, may God bless you. May you know his salvation and the salvation that's available to everyone everywhere. May it change your entire life. Let's worship because of the salvation that we've been given this morning.